0: Welcome, everyone, to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany.
1: And I'm Howard.
0: And Howard, we have a very special treat for our listeners today.
1: We do. Uh, We have Jessica from the Wilton Mortuary here. And uh, I met Jessica some years ago uh, as a pastor doing funerals when uh, the mortuary would call me to do funerals for people who didn't have ministers.
0: Our, our joke for Howard in the office, we called him rent-a-rev.
1: <laughs> <laughs> our funerals are us. Our funerals <laughs> are yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, And when I cut back on uh, full-time counseling, uh, I was approached by the mortuary about being an assistant to the directors, mm-hmm. and that's something actually my wife and I both do now. Uh, and uh, so I've seen a side of the business that I didn't see uh, uh-huh. as a pastor, uh, obviously, grief was the common denominator, but mm-hmm. there are some other things that I want us to talk about with Jessica today that could be insightful for our listeners relative to how we grieve and how we suffer loss.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited and very, um, very happy that you agreed to come on. So Jessica, welcome. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So Jessica, I'd like to start with, um, give us just uh, kind of a brief sketch of what, inspired you to go to mortuary science school and become a director?
2: So, um, you know, mostly you'll hear people say that they have family in the business. Mm-hmm. I do not. Uh, I actually, when I was working at a pub, I had one of, um, the regulars that used to come in and eat lunch all the time, say for whatever reason. I do not know still, uh, that he thought that I would enjoy and be good at this profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I had really, no idea what all it entailed. Um, So he had a friend who worked at a funeral home and he set it up for me to job shadow, Um, did that two, three times. And that same year enrolled in Carl Sandburg to go to college.
0: I'm curious what you thought when he said that to you, that he thought you would be good in the profession. What do you remember thinking?
2: Oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) And And originally, you know, I'm, I love science. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more the science aspect um, that had interest me. And I also love psychology. Mm -hmm. I didn't originally go into it thinking, you know, um, oh, I'm going to be, you know, working with families, you know, helping them plan funerals. Mm -hmm. I was more looking as, you know, I'm going to be making their loved ones, you know, look as best as possible. Mm -hmm. And I was more interested in that side of things. Um, but of course you, you realize once you get into the profession, you kind of have to do both. Um, yeah. but I actually, you know, ended up enjoying to do both sides of it. So,
0: so he was right.
1: Yeah.
2: He was, <laughs> I, you know, and wow. I wish I didn't lose contact with him because, um, usually after I tell people how I got into the business, they always ask, well, why did he say that? And yeah. I have no idea. Right. Well. So, well, one of the <laughs> things
1: I've been able to observe about you, which I really appreciate is, um, your attention to detail and how carefully you try to present the body for the family, because I've watched families pay close attention to all of that. Uh, you know, part of our grieving process is to see our loved one, uh, before uh, we bury them. And. Mm-hmm you know, that last visual is so important. Talk a little bit about how you feel that's important to helping families.
2: Sure. I mean, I've had people who, you know, they need that closure of seeing someone and you, you do get, you do get those people who don't, uh, you know, they don't want to. So, you know, everyone's different, but I will say that, I would say more often than not, uh, you see people who are wanting to have that, um, you know, even if it's just a viewing, if they decide not to do something more traditional, they do cremation, just having that final moment um, to kind of say their last goodbyes. uh, It's something I think a lot of people uh, need, and sometimes they don't realize how much they need that until they've, you know, went through it. So, um, you know, I know how impactful it can be not to get that chance because, you know, I've experienced that myself. So, you know, you keep that in mind when you're doing those type of preparations and paying attention to those little details and things like that.
0: I'm curious, you know, in your work, have you seen any trends um, or any changes, you know, in the profession as far as people maybe um, either more so desiring to have that final viewing or let me or not like going more towards like celebrations of life where it's mostly pictures and you know, the body's not laid out or present.
2: Um, I will say that, you know, cremation is definitely something that's became um, more, I guess, popular. Uh, I think people are, Uh, it's more accepted in a lot of different religions and it's something I too think people look at the cost. I mean, everything's expensive Mm. nowadays. So that's a huge factor, but that's why we still like to offer, you know, families that chance to view um, even if they are going to do cremation because they at least can get that closure. And then if they want to, you know, have a picture at a celebration of life or memorial service, they can, you know, still do something like that. Um, But I, I do think that closure opportunity of having that closure, um, is very important. So we try and honor that as best as we can.
1: Yeah. I remember one poignant example of a funeral that I had, um, he died in a motorcycle accident and one of his close family members was living off in another part of the nation and the family decided to go ahead with cremation and because of his travel complications he didn't get here in time and that was always extremely difficult for him he did not have that closure so for a guy like him obviously that was something he needed Mm -hmm. that he didn't get
2: yeah and i mean there's different things too that we can try to accommodate you know if there's another family member who wants to come in and take a picture or, you know, if they can get reception to do like a FaceTime or a video chat uh, that way, you know, it's not the same, but it it's better than I think nothing, you yes. know? So, mm-hmm. um, and those are things too that I don't know that, I don't think everyone even they don't think about it. If you haven't been through the experience before, why would you? So a lot of times it's, mm-hmm. those are those things that we also have to remember to just even mention because there's a lot of things that after you do this for so long, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to remind yourself at some point you didn't know any of these things either. So to be able to present that to a family, to give them that opportunity, you know, where they might not have even known they could have. So,
1: so really in a way you're having to do some of their thinking for them because one, they're grieved and two, they don't know procedure and they've never been there before.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of, and that's something that's changed here recently too, is people think that, uh, you know, a lot of times that the only services they've been to are the only services that are an option, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's all they know. So, um, you know, it's interesting. And that's another part of the job is to kind of be able to listen and put together what exactly it is that they need and they don't even realize that that's what they need. Mm -hmm. Like they need, they want a visitation. Maybe they don't want to, you know, a service, but then they want to do a burial with, you know, someone saying a few words. They might not realize that you can skip that service or Mm -hmm. you don't have to do a visitation. You know, all those little things that they don't even know are an option because they've never experienced otherwise. So those are things that you can also Kind of help guide them, and then it makes them realize it, it helps them overall because they're getting
0: what they need, they just didn't realize that's how they needed to go about it. So, absolutely, I was thinking about some of the past conversations we've had on the podcast about grief in general, and um, the Grief Recovery Institute has talked a great deal about the fact that we're not really taught how to lose we're taught how to gain and how to acquire so when we experience a loss it's like what steps do you take next to process it to really finish that and i think you know the part of the funeral or whatever you know process people tend to choose to go through um to pay their final respects is such a critical part of you know starting that grief recovery and so the fact that you're sensitive to that and can say hey you know you have a choice in what's you know, best for you, you can consider this versus this. It doesn't just have to be one way. I think there's a side of really honoring um, the departed, you know, and what the plans that they have laid out. But it brings me to a question of how many um, individuals, like loved ones, and this may be a loaded question, you know, have really made plans for, you know, their funerals and say, this is what I want to happen. This is maybe a scripture I want read. Um, How much of that do you actually see or hear? Like my loved one said this.
2: Um, You know, I feel like just from um, the mortuary that I'm currently at, um, we have, you know, pre arrangements. So Mm. those are, you know, people come in and they either just give us kind of the information they can, you know, prepay or just even in full or make payments towards something. So, I think it's more, it was more common. Um, the, the years that I'm seeing a lot of those pre arrangements from are all kind of in the same few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, you know, them throughout the years, but it does seem like at one point that was more common than not. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize what they can and can't do. Um, you know, a lot of times people, I'll have people say, you know, I don't have the funds right now too Mm -hmm. prearrange you don't have to pay for it you could just come in and you know give me all the information that i need to you know file any paperwork uh you know start an obituary i mean we can do all the information stuff let me know you know what are what what church you go to what are your beliefs um you know are you against or for anything Mm -hmm. because if you know, a lot of people don't actually have that conversation with their family. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the hardest things for a family to do is to come in and have no idea if their mother, father, sister, brother was against cremation wow. or wanted a service or didn't want anyone to see him. You know, you hear that a lot too. It's like, you no, know, people don't, if they don't know that, being able to even, Start planning is almost impossible for them,
0: yeah. That so, adds to the grief.
2: Oh, definitely. Okay. I mean, I can't, I think a lot of times, um, when families are what we call at need, so they don't have any pre arrangements and they don't have anything to go off of, as hmm. far as what I think that sets them back so far with grief because. They're scrambling to find, you know, paperwork, information, um, you know, a DD-214 for military honors. I mean, going through pictures, trying to figure out, you know, if they're going to do like a slideshow or something. I mean, so much time is spent doing that, that they can't even begin to start thinking about what actually happened. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, some of that can be therapeutic, like going through pictures and things like that. But when you're in a rush to do it, you know, because you're trying to hurry up and get it all together for processing, (laughs) right? I, you know, so I think a lot of times it hits people after the fact. And a lot of times that's when Mm -hmm. it's harder because everyone's gone home. Yeah. And there are, you know, home, you know, they're going back to a normal routine, but it's not normal it's anymore. It's
0: quiet space where you're like, right. it settles in and there's the reality of it that hits you. Mm-hmm. I want to shift back over to you, Howard, because um, you walk into that space. You have oftentimes officiated over um, funerals where, you know, you weren't the pastor to the family or to the person who has passed away and you're being asked to um, provide comfort to families who maybe have a lot of missing pieces as far as, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. what their loved one would have wanted, maybe some of the beliefs. And so how do you, how do you navigate that? Especially if um, there wasn't a major spiritual foundation for that family. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that?
1: Well, one of the things that um, when I first started doing it, um, I talked to a mentor of mine who uh, was near the end of his career. And when the first funeral home called and said, hey, we've got someone, would you do the service? Mm-hmm. I said yes without having a clue of what I was going to do. I just <laughs> said, yes, I'll do it. Sounds
0: very Howard-esque. No? Like- <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> but does it well.
1: <laughs> so then I called Jim and Jim said, you can do this. You do three things you offer them comfort, you celebrate their life, and you speak briefly of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And if you can find a way to do that non-offensively, people will be okay with that. Mm -hmm. I have never had anyone say they weren't okay with that format. Mm -hmm. And I have currently, in 25 years, I have preached 581 funerals for people I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So... But what I also do is I like to work closely with the director. I like to get a feel from the director. They usually come to me now and say, this is what the family's like. Here's a person that's struggling more or, you know, the wife isn't doing so well. Um, You know, those are the kind of things that are important to me so Mm -hmm. I can pay attention to that. Right now, I'm just down to mainly two funeral homes, the one that I assist at and another one in the area. And I know that owner very well of the other facility. Mm-hmm. And I just try to work as closely with them as I can about what I need to be alerted to, uh, and who might need maybe some extra care. Uh, cause I try to talk to a family member. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll put their speaker phone on and I can talk to all of them. Yeah. Occasionally I can meet them at the funeral home and talk to them. Or get there early before the visitation. Now that I'm not working full time, <laughs> they used to. Is Howard going to get here? I'd blow in at about one minute till you know. And
0: we would know when the when those days were because he would be dressed very nicely. <laughs> there would be the Hawaiian shirt. There would be like, "Oh, you're you have a funeral today." <laughs> we could tell.
1: <laughs> but thank you for asking that, Tiffany. But that also opens another door for Jessica because. Um, Jessica, you and I've had some private conversations. I know psychology is an interest you have. And while you're not being a junior therapist, I really feel like, um, what you do with those families is very important. Can you mm-hmm. talk about the mental and emotional demeanor you have to have to go in there and maybe somewhat be a counselor in some yes. ways, uh, when you're dealing with them?
2: Yeah. Um, so of course, you know, there are some funeral directors that do have that, um, you know, educa- they went and got a psychology degree or some form of um, degree so they can do that. And a lot of funeral homes do offer that as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't. Um, but I did spend a couple years doing some additional uh, psychology classes just because it's... Uh, to me, it felt like it better. Um, it helped me be more equipped, I guess, to, uh, say the right things because everyone is different. Everyone responds differently to grief. So, you know, sometimes people are angry, um, and they'll take it out on you because, (laughs) well, you're the first person, you know, that they encounter a lot of times with that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of that is just kind of, you know, knowing that there's no reason to take offense to it. I, I guess you do kind of have to have a good tolerance for um, sometimes those uh, people who just don't know how to navigate through that. Um, you know, some people are very calm and collected, mm. but then, you know, two, three days later, you know, I might give them a call and, you know, let them know that I have maybe something like uh paperwork or something that I need to deliver to them or have them pick up and, they'll you know just they'll just kind of break down right there on the phone so you can tell that sometimes and it's different timing for everyone it's and it's different emotions for everyone so um yeah sometimes it's uh it's being able to i guess keep up and be with those emotions and not let it affect you personally because i mean they do they don't know you they're not they're not purposely trying to attack you for any reason it's just you're just there and you're directly talking to them about something that they're just not quite ready to deal with, or mm-hmm. they just don't want to sometimes deal with it. Sometimes it's just, you know, so it's kind of all over the place and it's just being able to kind of keep up more or less. So,
0: and you're walking with people during, through yeah. some of the hardest times in their life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, typically not coming to you talking about the really great things. No.
2: <laughs> yep. Unfortunately I meet most people, um, you know, at the, at the funeral home. So yeah. um, it's, you're meeting people a lot of times when they're at their most vulnerable. So yeah. it's, you know, you you have to, you know, be cautious and, you know, try and keep in mind that they're not who they normally are typically. So um, yeah, yeah, you definitely it's have to keep all that in mind. Uh, I think if you were, uh, you know, too sensitive to those things it would it would be hard to do the job because you know you're supposed to be emotionally supportive in some form and you can't you know be as reactive at those times
1: (laughs) so so another thing that helps tiffany is is her sense of humor yeah (laughs) Uh, i love that so so one night you know i've got my badge on funeral assistant with my name on it She's standing in front of me and and the wife uh you know elderly wife says to her son who's that guy back there and he says well Jessica's the director mom and she goes I want to talk to that guy and so she asks Jessica who is that guy and Jessica goes well that's my boss <laughs> I said, why did you tell her that? She said, I couldn't explain what it is that you do. (laughs) It's like, okay. <laughs> but we navigated through that and I'm glad the son was there and he guided her back to Jessica and they talked about what they needed to talk about, but
0: and to not be offended. <laughs> like,
2: right. And it seemed like she really needed Howard at that time. Exactly. So <laughs> I will let him be my boss in those moments if it
0: helps the family. So <laughs> That's exactly, right. And that is why you are fantastic at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: Well, you in an, in our world, Jessica, the world that Tiffany and I work in. I heard you identifying three things that you have to have, and I think you exemplify these. So one you have to be securely attached to yourself. You have to learn to depersonalize what isn't yours. Mm-hmm. And to extend empathy when people are not necessarily giving it back to you. I think you have to do those three things. I think you just described those three things a moment ago. Uh because when people are vulnerable and hurting, they're definitely going to strike out because their emotional mind is doing all the thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. It's hard to be at your best.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I appreciate you identifying that. You really talk through that well. I think those are the three main categories that I would identify as I was hearing you talk about that.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. So a little bit on a personal note as we're kind of wrapping this up, how do you take care of you in the midst of all of that? Because it takes a lot to mm-hmm. absorb what's yes. thrown your way <laughs> and to continually walk with people as a profession through the most, it's one of the most difficult seasons of their life and to do it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you take care of you?
2: Well, um, after being in this profession for a couple of years, it, it does put things in perspective. I will mm-hmm. say that, um, it's important to do things you want to do um you know a couple of years ago i've always wanted to learn how to play the violin now a couple of years later i still don't really know how to play the violin <laughs> but i still tried um you know there's there's different activities um you know the group i work with at work they were all very close mm-hmm. uh so there's a lot of things that even though it's we're off we're still together doing things so you know yeah. we'll there's different things that we enjoy doing together and it's kind of just making sure you're taking the time to do things you enjoy Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, make light of things and just be able to kind of, you know, have your mind not have to really think about anything. For example, we do karaoke a lot. Um, fun. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, just different things like that, that we know we all enjoy, Um, you know, might not be very good at it, but uh things like that, just making sure you're taking the time to enjoy life.
0: That sounds awesome. So you on purpose do things that, you know, fulfill you mm-hmm. and then the people you work with. It's like a family.
2: We are. It yep. sounds like.
0: Definitely community is huge. I think in any profession, when you're walking with people, right. having those who are in it with you in the mm-hmm. arena is huge.
1: Absolutely. getting through things. Yeah.
0: So <clears throat> as we have like, probably a lot of different people that listen to our podcast um, and we'll tune into this as well. Do you have any final words you want to leave with our audience just about whether it's be like, making preparations or loved ones, you know, knowing that they have a choice in the process as they plan or just anything that are thoughts from a funeral director. Sure. Um first
2: thing would be don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um and not a lot of people I think will assume that there's like I was saying that kind of norm and anymore there's not. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, be descriptive when you talk about the uh, you know person that we're honoring so because it, it gives the director a better idea of things that uh, might be better for doing a service um, mm. and just to kind of, you know, I know it's hard because you're putting a lot of faith and a lot of trust into a complete stranger most of the time. Mm. So, you know, the more information we get, the more that you're open about the things that would honor that person that just helps us even more. So Um, but definitely being open to, you know, asking questions and things like that. I think that's definitely uh, helpful going in with that mindset. So
0: very cool. I think you've given definitely given me and hopefully our listeners a lot to think about, you know, as we navigate this process and things that we just may not have known. So Thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom and knowledge. And I agree with the man in the pub who, who <laughs> identified that in you. It may have been very much so a dem- divine appointment in the Lord, well, you know, speaking that into your life, because yeah. it sounds like you are really good at what you
1: do.
2: Thank you. And thank you for having me.
1: Well, folks, hope you've enjoyed uh, today's edition. And as always, we sign off with God bless and shalom. Yeah.
0: The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.